Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 28 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We often hear varying opinions about whether black women can really be friends with one another. And there's often this thinking that black women don't support one another because of the belief that there can only be one black girl at the top. For today's episode, I wanted to chat with someone who lives, breathes, and sleeps a spirit of collaboration over competition. Today's guest is Marlene Francois Madden. Marlene is a private practice clinical therapist, Huffington Post contributor, phenomenal public speaker, and entrepreneur. With over 13 years of clinical experience, she has become a sought-after expert in mental health, trauma, self-care, and girls' leadership. Marlene has shared her expertise at dozens of universities, colleges, community organizations, churches, and conferences, including the Congressional Black Caucus for Women and Girls. Her organization, Far More Precious, has awarded $2,500 in scholarships to minority girls since 2013 and continues to educate young women ages 14 to 19 to dream beyond the barriers they face to reach their fullest potential. Empowerment isn't what she does, it's who she is. Driven by passion and purpose, Marlene touches the lives of many through her work. She facilitated trauma-informed group and individual sessions for young women in Haiti who were sex trafficking survivors. Her commitment to youth development earned her an invitation to speak to young global leaders from countries like Pakistan, Nigeria, Kenya, Israel, Bangladesh, and more about self-care. She also volunteered at a children's orphanage in Ghana. Marlene has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Penn State University and a master's of social work degree from Rutgers University, Newark. She is currently licensed as a licensed clinical social worker in the state of New Jersey. Marlene and I chatted about where these ideas about sisterhood came from, how to combat the feelings if they show up for you, and about what sisterhood really looks like in practice. So thank you so much for joining me for the episode today, Marlene. It's lovely to be on the show. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I definitely wanted to have a conversation about this um, because it comes up a lot um, related to like black women having relationships with one another um, in this sense that, um, you know, like there's always this competition kind of piece and this cattiness. And so I feel like, you know, just from observing you on social media and being in different Facebook groups and stuff with you, um, I feel like you really do a great job of like exemplifying this. Um, like when my sister wins, I win too. Um, So I felt like you would be the perfect person to chat about this topic. So where do you think this sentiment comes from that black women like can't get along or can't collaborate with one another? 
I believe it starts in the home. I feel like a lot of women, they don't see it modeling in their home. They don't see whether it's their mom or grandmother uplifting other women. So they have a hard time doing that. They don't know what it's like to support each other. Or you walk into a nail salon or a hair salon, and most of the time you see it's just gossip that's happening there. So people are kind of exposing other women's flaws, you know, areas that, you know, that it helping or like you see women just like, you know, oh girl, did you see what happened to so-and-so? You see what her baby daddy did? Like you see a lot of that that's happening. So women have a difficult time really building each other up because they're used to just like, kind of just like, just, you know, pushing each other to the side and just downplaying each other. Got you. Okay. And I would imagine that the answer to this question is yes, but um, do you think there is something like in the greater culture that kind of contributes to this type of thinking, like related to either pop culture or what we see in the media? Um, what, what kind of things in the greater culture you think influence some of this thinking? Definitely the media. Absolutely. Like if you see right now, like a lot of reality shows that are out, especially reality shows that target African-American women, it's you have real housewives of this and you have love and hip hop and basketball wives. And a lot of these shows, all you see are women fighting one another, you know, and they have like this love and hate relationship. Like the women come together, they don't like each other. Then they go on retreats. They get to like, you know, one of the girls may plan an event and then they invite somebody that they know everyone in the group doesn't like. And then it just starts more drama. So it's like, that is what we see that's happening in the media. So it makes it very difficult for people to think that we can really get along with each other. Um, it's just, and I think one movie that shows how women can support one another is Girl Strip that came mm. out. This. Girl Strip is one movie I think that exemplifies what sisterhood should look like. But a lot of these other shows, they do a poor job with it. And of course, that's what media, you know, media, they have to make money. And so that's how they make their money by showing gossip shows. And you have, you know, outlets like the shade room, you know, a lot of these gossip blogs, and then they put up things about women and you just have people tearing each other down because that's what they're seeing happening in the media. So they're going to do it too. Yeah. And it does seem like, um, you know, like if you don't have very much experience with black women in other ways, um, if you kind of are getting your cues from like reality TV, um, that, it is very heavily kind of reliant on one type of, you know, a uh, viewpoint of sisterhood. Yes. So you mentioned Girls Trip. Um, so that definitely, you know, was like a hot movie for the summer. And, yes. um, you know, black women kind of across the country were excited and got all their girls together. So what do you think really um, was like so positive about that movie? What I like about that movie is that everyone had a different character. So, you know, you had one person that was just like, you know, about her business. You had another person was like, yeah, I'm just trying to get some. I'm looking for a man. When we go on a strip. So like everyone had a different personality. They all weren't the same, which is something that I love. And they were able to kind of be there for one another. So like, you know, they were able to like, to kind of, they had some moments in the movie, you know, I don't want to give away for people who didn't see the movie, but like, you know, there were some moments in the movie where they, you know, they had some disagreements, they argued and they didn't want to be friends when they got back together. And it's like, you know, for them to share like some of the things that they're going through, like the raw stuff that they're going through and still have women around them to support them through it. I think that's major. That was something that was 
huge for me. Like, you know, they were in different stages of their life. One of them was, you know, had kids and, you know, she was working as a doctor. So it was like to be able to just like, you know, still take a girl's trip, even in the midst of life changing and your girlfriends are still there and ride with you. I think that was just like amazing for me. Yeah, and I agree with you. It did show a very different um, look at Black women's friendships than I think we typically see on, you know, like just television Monday through Friday kind of things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what value do you see in investing so much in sisterhood? You know, like I'm wondering how you got to this place in your own thinking. Um, Has this always been something that's like incredibly important to you? So... I, so here's the thing with me. So I'm the only daughter. I'm the oldest. I'm the old, oldest child. My parents have three kids. I have two brothers. So I've never had any sisters. And I always wanted sisters. I watch other people have sisters. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a sister, somebody to share clothes with, somebody who thinks like me. So being that me and my brother were like 15 months apart, I would always like paint his nails and try to dress him up. And he was not having that. Like it, <laughs> it would not work. He's like, leave me alone. I'm like, can you play with me? He's like, no. So it was just so weird. But um, I actually had girlfriends I grew up with um, till this day. Um, I'm 32 years old. Yes, my age is out there. Black don't crack. But, <laughs> so my girlfriends, we've been friends for 32 years. We, I have a group of girls. We were born the same month and we get together all the time for our birthdays. They were actually my wedding. Um, so it's I've always embraced sisterhood. I think that's all I knew how to do. Like I never, I remember when I was eight years old, my mom told me don't have too many girlfriends because that's how drama starts. And I remember when I was eight, like I didn't want to be my best friend's friend anymore because she didn't have enough Barbie dolls and accessories. And I found some new girlfriends. Then those girlfriends were catty. And I was like, I'm going back to my old best friend that I had. But then like, other than that, like I've always embraced having women around me. It's just something, it, it's just some, I don't know what it is. It's just something inspiring for me to watch other women advance and succeed. Like, even if it's something that I want and I don't get it and one of my sisters get it, it still makes me happy. I, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't know what it is. It's just always been within me, like to just have this, this sisterhood and, and seeing women thrive and connecting with other women. It just really, it, it really drives me. I just feel like it's part of my life's mission, I guess you could say. Yeah. And kind of going back to the question we discussed earlier about like what things in the greater culture kind of contribute to this. I do feel like there is um, like a more mainstream kind of narrative or culture piece that talks about like the scarcity of resources. So, you know, like I can't share you know, who did this for me, or I can't tell you how I got this speaking gig or whatever, because then that may mean I don't get it. And, you know, then you start to get all of these things. Yes, you see that a lot. It, you, and you see that even with hair, like, like, oh, who, who did your hair? How, you know, where'd you get your hair from? Oh, I got it from the shop. And it's like, people don't want to like share, you know, where they got the hair from. Like, so I remember hearing that a lot at one point, like, you know, asking people where they got their clothes from and things like that. And people wouldn't share that information. And now you still see it when it comes to uh, woman empowerment. You know, I think woman empowerment has became a a fad at some point, like a trending topic in the last few years where you have all these brunches that would happen. But in the midst of people having them, it was still some, some people, there was still some competition going on. It was like, who can have the better brunch? who can have the better speaker, who has the better branding, who has the, you know, who can get the better speaking engagements and, you know, all these things. But um, 
And the way I see it is like, you know, there's enough bread for each and every one of us to get a seat at the table. Each and every one of us can get a seat at the table. Every, there's room for everybody. There's enough room. And, and I think some people don't realize that. And I think another thing too, that women have to realize that sometimes your seasons are going to shift. So you may have a season where like you're booking speaking engagements back to back. And then maybe you can't do it the next season, but some other woman is doing it. You need to applaud her because you were once in that position. So applaud her. Or maybe that's where you want to be and you're not there yet. Applaud that girl because maybe one day she can't do it and now she's pushing it to you. And she's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to pass on this opportunity to you because I know you'll be good at it. So that's the way I take it. Yeah. And it feels like um, it may take some work to get to that place, right? Like, how do you think, you know, like for somebody who does maybe still feel like some of that scarcity and feels like, you know, like, you know, yeah, that sounds really good, Marlene. Um, but I'm not about to tell you, you know, all of my hookups and kinds of things. Um, it, it feels like there may be some inner work that needs to be done to get to a place where you feel like, okay, I can share these things because what's for me is for me. And, you know, not sharing is not going to kind of block anything that's supposed to come my way. What kinds of things do you think maybe need to kind of um, be reflected on or worked on personally to get to a place like that? Confidence is one of them. You know, having confidence is major. It's key um, because then you know what's for you is for you. It's, you know, cheering your sister orange is not going to dim your light, as they say. And the other thing I would say is that knowing that if you have a purpose and you know what your purpose is in life, you're going to be fine regardless. Like whether you share the resource or not, if, if you don't share the resource with that person, they're going to find somebody else who's going to share them the resource. And, you know, there's still this whole thing with um, picking brains that I'm hearing a lot of discussion on. It's been like the latest topic this week. <laughs> there was like a whole battle on Instagram with um, a popular TV personality person and everybody was just like going in about the whole picking your brains and how like, you know, women reach out to other women and they're asking questions and people are like, like, well, you know, I'm not sharing that information with you. Um, I do believe that you don't have to share everything with someone, but there are some things you could share that could help them along their journey. So, you know, sharing some resources. So if you have a private practice, somebody else is trying to build their practice Maybe you can't share them every single detail of how to get that practice, but maybe you could put them in the hands of someone else who has a program on building private practices and they can sign up for that class. So finding strategies to help them. So somebody wants to write a book and, you know, maybe you're a bestseller book author, but you don't have the time to kind of mentor them and coach them, but you put them in the hands of someone else or give them a contact and say, okay, well, here you go. Um, I can, this is what I can give you for now and you can, you can work it out. So um, I truly believe as a woman, if we have confidence, if we have enough confidence, we will be okay with sharing with other women and sharing our platform and space. I do it all the time, every single day. I'm, you know, I have people reaching out to me about things with social work and mental health, and I'm constantly sharing resources. If I know of any job opportunities, I'm sharing it with people. You know, if I get any resources, I'm sharing it with people because. For me, if it just feels like I don't, I, I'm not going to be in this by myself. I want my sisters to win too. Like we got to be at the seat. We got to be at the table together. That's the way I see it. Yeah, that there is enough room for all of us at the table that it can't be, you know, just one of us, one of us kind of speaking for everybody kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
So I know that you work with a lot of women in your practice, um, and I'm wondering if this has come up, I'm guessing so. Um, You know, so clients who might come in talking about they don't have any other women friends because women are catty and they can't be trusted. What kinds of things might you do with a client who comes in with a concern like that? So I've had that happen so many times and I've heard people say constantly, oh, if if a woman says, you know, I can't trust other women, they're catty, you can't trust that woman. I don't necessarily believe that. I think everybody's story and journey is different. Um, For me, what I do is I explore a little deeper and find out, you know, if, if this has been something they've always done growing up since childhood, has there been some sort of abandonment issues with their own mother that they're dealing with? You know, is there some sort of trauma that they're going through? You know, maybe, maybe they were, they were physically or, you know, sexually abused by a woman in their, in their life. And it makes it very difficult for them to open up to other women. So finding out what happened, like where did the experience happen where you stopped interacting with other women, or maybe you just always grew up that way and just finding out, you know, if, is it healthy or unhealthy? Are you scared? You know, do you have this fear of building intimate friendships and, and being vulnerable with people? So finding out um, a little bit more detail with them. So I usually do that and like, you know, maybe giving them some strategies, like as far as like, if it's, if they are motivated with building that, that friendship with other women, you know, starting off small. So maybe like, you know, taking out a girlfriend to lunch and getting to know her instead of you, you know, sharing everything, maybe she will open up about what she's going through. And then you realize that you have a lot in common. Um, I know trust is a big issue for some women, you know, having to trust another woman with things that you disclose. And then, then you have this fear of, is she going to go and tell everybody else my business? So I hear that a lot. And a lot of women who say that it's because, you know, them have experienced that in the past where, where they've shared, you know, very intimate details and that person went out and told everybody else. And now it's like, well, you know what, that's it. I'm done. I'm not opening up to anyone anymore. I can't trust you, you know? So I think it's important for women to kind of like, they can kind of check people out, but also, um, figure out the characteristic traits you're looking for in friends. So you, and then you got to check yourself too in the process, you know, are you that person that's really the one that's being catty and not the other people around you. So I always tell women, you know, check yourself and see what are the characteristics traits you look in a friend? What type of friends do you want? What does healthy friendships look, look like to you? What does toxic friendships look like to you? Because sometimes you can recognize a pattern that you had that was going on and you got to break that cycle at some point if you're trying to build healthy friendships. So you bring up a good point, Marlene, about, um, you know, I do agree with you that a lot of times when women come in with this type of concern, it's because they have had like some type of betrayal. Um, And so I'm wondering if you have any like ideas or tips about like how you can trust again after, you know, like let's say you've had a best friend who, you know, you do share kind of everything with and the best friend betrays you in some ways, either discloses information or something else. Um, How would you say somebody could begin to um, be open and trusting in friendships again? I think that when they start um, creating new friendships with people, don't think that new friend that you have is just like the other person. Um, Recognize what your triggers are because sometimes I think we take situations from our past and we put them in our future experiences and then it makes it difficult. Kind of like if your ex cheated on you, now your new boyfriend that you have, he's such a great man, but everything he does, you're questioning him because 
you're thinking he's going to do exactly what your ex did and cheat on you. So I think women have to separate the two friendships that they had and slowly start building. So maybe, you know, be slow to warm up with that friend. You don't have to disclose intimate details, but doing things that you both enjoy together. So doing a fun activity and, you know, from there, maybe going out to lunch and maybe learning about some of their dreams and aspirations. Because I find that women, we could talk about, we could, we could talk about goals all day. We could do that. Like we're good at that. We could talk about goals. We could talk about hair. We could talk about reality shows. So sharing those things. And then eventually little by little, you start, start, start sharing about your family. You maybe start sharing about that relationship that failed. Maybe you could start sharing about that friendship that you had that failed and how, you know, you're taking your time to build this new friendship because you don't want to end up in the same position. So I think women can take their time with, with getting to know people. You can start by, by, by the things that you like. So your talents and your gifts and, you know, common interests. So you start off with things like that and slowly build up to where you can be very raw and vulnerable and authentic about, you know, your wounds that you have. Because I even find that even with women that are best of friends, they struggle with sharing details like that with their best friends, their wounds. Like Mm. so many women don't disclose their wounds with their best friends. Why do you think that is? Fear of judgment, guilt, you know, the self-sabotaging thoughts that women have sometimes, um, it makes it difficult for them. Or maybe they feel like, I don't always want to be that friend that is a burden to everyone else. So then they just don't disclose any of that information or disclose what they're going through with other people. So maybe the one friend always seems to be happy, but then the other friend is going through a difficult time. And they struggle with really sharing what they're going through. So they may keep it very, you know, some people keep it on the surface, like, oh, yeah, you know, I got all these bills to pay, you know, but maybe they don't want to go in detail as far as like, you know, the depression that they're dealing with and them having, you know, thoughts of ending their life or um, their relationship is not going in the right path. And so I find that a lot of women struggle with being vulnerable. they have a difficult time with it. And I think part of it is to, um, part of it could be social media too, because with social media, we put out our best foot out there. So if everyone thinks you're good, then there's no reason to check up on you sometimes. So I think people forget to check up on their friends, like really check up on them. So when they ask their friends, oh, how are you doing? Their friends are like, oh yeah, everything's good. But deep down, things are not really good. But, you know, people, people know how to put up a front really well, even when they're going through a difficult time. Yeah, and I I think that's a great strategy that you offered um, in terms of almost making like a hierarchy of what is safe to share. Um, And I've also done this with clients like, okay, let's make a list of things that you would feel comfortable. Like if somebody told this, you wouldn't be that upset versus the top of the list with something that you, you know, absolutely would be devastated if it were shared. Um, Because I do think that that can give you some ideas of like how to kind of start sharing in a way that feels safe and not super threatening. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you touched on this a little bit um, and I want to see if if we can kind of dig a little deeper here around social media um, because it is such a a large part of our lives. Right. And um, 
what tips do you have for women who may be struggling with like comparing themselves to others or, you know, kind of opening up the gram and feeling jealous because you see this new person just got this new promotion or just got this award or whatever. Um, Do you have any tips around like managing social media and like those feelings of jealousy and competition that might come up? Yes, definitely. If you have to take a social media detox or fast, as I like to say, do that, you know, take some time off from it. But then again, you don't want to go, you don't want to, you don't want to do that to the point where it turns into avoidance, some sort of avoidance behavior. So I would say always check your emotions and see, you know, why is it that you feel jealous about this person? Um, Like you mentioned, you know, is it an award that they're receiving, you know, something new that they have, or maybe they, you know, maybe the person recently got engaged and, you know, you're waiting for your man to propose to you. So, you know, check your own feelings and see what's going on. And, and I think it's important for people to realize, like, the grass is not always green on the other side, as I say. So you may see someone getting all of these accolades and awards and they're, you know, all, they, they, everything is, their life is just lit. Like, it's like, wow, she's doing all types of stuff. She's, she's a boss. But then you have no idea what she's dealing with. You have no idea the late nights, you know, where she probably cries herself to sleep or, you know, maybe some family issues that's going on. So I always tell people like, you never know, like maybe you get into her shoes and you're like, you know what? Mm, I don't think I could do this anymore. Let me get back into my own shoes. So you just never know what people are going through. Um, and maybe that little bit of those accolades and that awards they're getting just might be the only joy that they have in their life at that moment. So I always tell people, just be very careful. I remember a quick short story this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I remember when I was taking my licensure exam for it, and I failed three times, three times, guys, three years in a row before I passed it. Everybody else around me passed the exam, and the licensed clinical social work exam, um, for those of you that don't know, um, when you take it, you can eventually go independently and go into private practice. And it was always a dream of mine since I was a little girl. And I was just like, why keep failing this exam? Like, I know I'm good at what I do. You know, I love this field. I'm always mentoring people. And here I am and I can't pass this exam. And then everybody else is passing and they're going into private practice. They're becoming directors of programs. And it could easily, I had to catch myself and make sure like I wasn't getting to that space where I was um, getting jealous of anyone else who passed, like anyone else I studied with and would text me the next day, like, guess what? I passed, you know, for me to congratulate them and be genuinely happy for them. I had to check myself. I'm like, you know what? I have to continue to be happy for my friends because this is what they wanted. It's what I want too. They're getting it at the moment, but I can't be mad about it. And then in those moments, I realized when I was genuinely happy for people and cheering them on and and just telling other people how they passed the exam and um, sharing opportunities with them. I noticed that opportunities were coming my way too. Despite the fact that I didn't pass the exam, I watched my salary increase. I watched speaking opportunities come, come my way. So it was like when you cheer other people on, something else may come your way too that you don't even realize it. You know, because you're planting seeds. You're planting seeds of happiness in other people's lives and it's going to come back to you. Um, So with social media, I think you have to be mindful. If you're having a hard time seeing other women succeed, you have to check yourself and check your emotions and also see like, okay, what am I doing? Am I scrolling through social media all day? And 
not getting things done for my own business to grow, you know, for, for me to grow in my purpose. Cause if, if that's the case, then that's the person who needs to, they need to, they need to, they need to level up then at that point, it's not them scrolling through social media. It's the problem. The problem is that they're not setting their time aside to, to complete their goals that they want to accomplish. So that's one thing I would say. Oh, Marlene, that, that is a great point. I don't know that I had thought about it like that, um, but you're right. Like if you, you know, like is the issue really that you are seeing everybody else win on Instagram or is the issue that you are spending so much time on Instagram that you're not doing what you need to do to also be winning? Yeah, and that's what it is for some people. And then what happens is you open that door to, for bitterness to come in and bitterness, resentment, sadness, all of those emotions that come in, it changes how your behavior is, how you respond. So it's, it's not going to make you want to sit down and evaluate and, and be strategic to do what you need to do for yourself because you're going to be so upset and, you know, you're just going to feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of this. I, there's no point of me even trying. And, you know, all these, look at, look at her, like she's on chapter 12 and I'm not even on chapter one. I'm on a table of contents. There's no point. Let me just put this book back, you mm-hmm. know? So instead of just, instead of just like running their race to their pace and so many people are trying to run the race to everybody else's pace instead of their own, they're seeing what everybody else is. And that's the thing with social media. Like you see what everybody else is doing. So people see what other people are doing and they want to mimic that. And with them mimicking what other people are doing, they're distracting themselves from accomplishing their own goals and, then you just get upset because you're just running into a brick wall. You're not, you know, getting what you need to get done. And then now you're mad at your, at other women that are walking in their purpose when really you should be mad at yourself for not being intentional with doing your own thing. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there, Marlene. I mean, it definitely feels like um, what you brought up around like opening the door for these emotions of like sadness and bitterness, um, you know, and so when you start feeling like that, then you are less motivated and you are concentrating less. I mean, so, you know, you do, I think, have to be very um, reflective around what comes up for you around social media, because I think that there is I mean, and there have been, you know, studies done about like people spending more time on Facebook and that leading to, you know, more depressed mood and all that stuff. Um, you know, so I think people do have to recognize like the the impact that social media does have like on our emotions and really be um, clear with yourself, like what's happening for you around using social media. Yes. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, You've already said you feel like Girls Trip is a great example um, of like Black women's friendship and sisterhood and like a shining example of that. But I wonder if you have like other resources like books or videos or podcasts that you feel really do a good job of like highlighting like sisterhood and collaboration. Definitely. So Girls Trip, of course, I love that movie. It was phenomenal, as I'd say. Of course, I love all the older movies like Waiting to Excel. I do like Set It Off. I won't be mad at myself. I just think some of those movies bring women together, you know, have a glass of wine and just have girls night um, and just chop it up with your girls. But some other things. So some other podcasts, of course, Therapy for Black Girls. Love it because it just features so much vital information that we need to know as black women. Not only that, like you bring on other therapists on your platform, which is showing how you can collaborate and connect with other women 
and other people get to hear their experiences, their stories, and you know, vital information that they're sharing, whether it's about EMDR, which I loved. I just had to put that plug out there. <laughs> Look at that. Like the, listen, I listened to it and I was like, you know what? Let me go sign up for this training. Then I looked at the cost and I said, wait a minute. I got 2018. But it was a great way for me to learn about another resource that I've heard about. But then it maybe it challenged me to make me think even more if it's something I should do. Another resource I would say that I listen to, it's another podcast. It's called Black Girl Bosses, the Black Girl Bosses podcast. And it's this girl that I that I that I know, Tatum, who runs it, and with her other friend and phenomenal podcast. They share a lot of stuff on like business tips and marketing strategies, and they share the rut of entrepreneurship. They both started the podcast as they were in their nine to five transitioning, and they both transitioned into full-time entrepreneurship. So you get to hear what it was like when they were working for corporate and then having to leave and put in resignation letter and like now working for yourself and how you have to be disciplined. And, you know, they bring other women on their platform and just to share as far as like having mastermind groups and sisterhood. So I really love it because it's showing how like as black women, we could really boss up. Like there's so much that we can do. There's so much opportunities out there. So that's another resource. And another one, um, I love books. So I'm a, I'm a book hoarder, book queen, whatever you want. <laughs> so I really, I'm really big on reading books about personal development. So anything by John C. Maxwell, I know it's a man, it's not a woman. Yeah, I had to put it out there. <laughs> but, uh, but I love his books because it, I love his books because like they share about how to be a good leader. And I think as women, that's something we have to keep pushing and growing in because so often they say like, you know, women aren't in the C-suite or executive seat, but like, I feel like women, we can get there, but we have to learn how to be assertive a little bit more and um, knowing how to negotiate. So like, I love reading his books because you kind of know how to be an effective leader. And I think being an effective leader is great, especially when you're in a space with all women, because then you won't be catty. You're going to sit around other women and help them to grow. Like you're going to help them to like build in their strengths and whatever area they're weak in, either they're going to delegate those areas or you're going to show them how they need to like, you know, get those areas fixed. So, you know, how to strengthen, you know, how to improve on their, their weaknesses. So John C. Maxwell. Yeah. Put it out there. <laughs> okay. Any other books? Um, oh my gosh. I have this book called, Smart Woman, not smart, um, yeah, Smart Woman Lead by Bonnie St. John. She is an Olympic, a gold Olympic paraplegic. Um, she went around and interviewed people that like, people like Hillary Clinton, people that were like, um, just various women, um, Condoleezza Rice. So this book is pretty old. She has a new one out called Smart Woman Pray, I believe. So in this book, she ent- it's it her and her daughter who write the book together and they interview tons of women. So I do like that because for me, I love when women are able to interview other women and put it out there because now you're not just learning about that woman that came up with that concept, but you're also learning about some other person's platform, which I think is great because now you're, you're sharing that shine with somebody else. So I love anything that features other women and it has collaboration involved in it. So, yeah, so I would say those books. And, I mean, I read a lot of, I'm constantly reading books, like 
girl boss, just mm-hmm. a bunch of, but, um, yeah, I'm a, I, I love reading books. Okay. So in your free time in between reading all of these books, I also know that you're an incredibly busy therapist, you know, like you talked about like the mentoring piece and you have a successful practice. Um, so I am curious to know like what projects you're currently working on that you're very excited about, what kinds of things you would like to share with the listeners. So right now I'm currently working on relaunching the therapist planner. It's such a long process to do as anyone knows who's launching anything out there. So um, in the process of launching a therapist planner and with a therapist planner, it is specifically designed for mental health professionals. So we have our ICD-10 codes in there, our psychotropic medications, and the medications are outlined from like, you know, anti-anxiety to antidepressants medication. There's somewhere in there for you to track your CEUs that you go to because sometimes we forget forget where we put our, our receipts and you know, certificates for the workshop. So then having that place to track everything. So it's all in one place, some self-care strategies. So I created that for therapists. So that's going to be launching hopefully soon, hopefully within the next 30 days, it'll be out. Um, And then another thing I'm working on is a therapist mixer. So our first one is going to be in DC. This is a congressional, during the congressional black caucus weekend, and it's going to happen in various cities. I know that I love connecting with other mental health professionals. So it's just perfect just to have some sort of mixer where we get together and meet other people and find out what they're doing in an informal way. So it's not, you know, all about learning CEUs and things like that. And the other thing I'm working on, I'll be working on with another therapist, um, Janae Johnson. In 2018, we're going to be doing some things regarding teen girls. Um, So be on the lookout for that too. You will, of course, remember Janae from our teen episode. So in addition to like celebrating sisterhood, Marlene is also somebody who specializes in working with teens. So I'm very excited to hear what you and Janae will be coming out with. That definitely will be awesome, no matter what it is. Yes, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot, tons of black girl magic. We're springing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell everyone where we can find you on social media and your website. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Marlene Francois. So it's M-A-R-L-I-N-E-F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. And that's also my website, MarleneFrancois.com. So on everything, it's Marlene Francois. So you can find me there, connect with me. I love connecting with people. And it's just great to see other Black therapists like making moves. So I love connecting with you guys. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Marlene. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marlene and encourage you to check out some of the resources she mentioned. Also, for any therapists who are listening, make sure to grab your copy of The Therapist Planner, which is available at a special price for pre-order until Friday, October 13th. You can find all of the resources she mentioned and the link for the planner at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 28 and make sure that if you're looking for a therapist in your area you check out the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory and as always make sure to share your thoughts about the episode with us what does sisterhood look like to you and what are your opinions about relationships between black women share those with us on social media make sure to use the hashtag tbg in session You can find us on Twitter at Therapy4, the number 4, B-Girls. 
And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Therapy for Black Girls. Looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Thank you.